Welcome to the Saturday Coffee Clutch with Professor Robert Reich. I'm Heather Lofthouse. Bob is actually on vacation, so I'm going to be playing for you a conversation he's having with Ense Ufot, who is the CEO of New Georgia Project. We hope you enjoy it. Well, I am so pleased that my guest today is Ense Ufot, who is the CEO of the New Georgia Project. Uh, and Ense, with an election coming up, you are busy. I'm, I'm so pleased that you're giving us some of your time. Tell us about the New Georgia Project. Yes. Um, hi, Bob. I run a beautiful organization with 18 offices throughout the great state of Georgia called the New Georgia Project. While we're probably best known for having helped over 600,000 young people and people of color register to vote in all 159 of Georgia's counties. I jokingly refer to us as like a tech startup inside of a civil rights and a voting rights organization. We leverage technology and culture, but also just good old community organizing to build power with working people in Georgia so that we can have the country uh, and the state that works for us. When you say building power, I mean, my ears immediately pick up because I think it's, it's all about power. And it's all about countervailing power because you've got big corporate power and you've also got the power of this, uh, I hate to sound too partisan here, but a Republican Party that's becoming more and more authoritarian. So how do you build the power that's going to take on these two interacting, interconnected uh, sources of of real anti-democracy power? Yeah, absolutely. I think in... The way that we train our organizers is that they have twice as many ears as they do mouths. And so we spend a lot of time listening to Georgians about what their priorities are, like their hopes for themselves and their families and their communities and the fears that they have and the things that they are willing to take action on, right? And so when we're thinking about power, who has it? Who doesn't? Who has the power to stop these bad things from happening? It's really us, right? And so once we've identified those things that people can't stand to see happening or the things that they really, really want for themselves and their families, we start talking about the elected officials who are decision makers as it relates to that and getting people registered to vote, having people show up to you know city council meetings and county commissioner meetings, having people run the themselves um, and organizing the demand for the things that they want to see. The problem or the challenge in this moment, I'll give you an example. The minimum wage in Georgia is $5.15 an hour. It's below the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. There's no poll that anyone has done that has not shown that that is a priority for Georgia's wages and jobs are a priority for Georgia's. And yet we have Republican leadership that for almost two decades has ignored this priority from working Georgians because they've been able to manipulate elections, because they've been able to hold on to power, because they've been able to suppress the votes of enough people that they can hang on to power, even though fewer and fewer people People are buying what this current version of the Republican Party is selling. Well, Enze, let's take that example. Uh, you and your people in the New Georgia Project, what do you actually do? You go into a town, you go into a community, you just, what, you knock on doors? You say, hello? <laughs> well, it's a little more strategic than that. We're still in the South. You don't walk up on somebody's porch without a plan. 
or a pie. Well, a pie maybe maybe a pie is a plan. I mean, you know, I get it. <laughs> right. Or a pie is a part of the plan. Yeah. But you gotta have a plan when you when you knock on somebody's door, when you walk on their porch in the deep south, particularly in rural Georgia, you better have some business about yourself. And that's what we do. We literally just celebrated knocking on one million doors and having uh tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of high quality face-to-face conversations with Georgians about the things that are important to them. But when I think about how we work and more importantly, how we win, um, our tactics sort of go into a number of buckets. One, there's litigation, right? Particularly impact litigation. The legal environment for voting in this country is trash. It's even worse in Georgia. The attacks on the Voting Rights Act of 1965 via Shelby versus Holder, the over 400 anti-voting bills that were introduced in 49 states. So wherever we can fight to to sue to improve laws we do that and secondly is with you know our large-scale voter registration efforts at the time where we launched we were founded by an extraordinary human being leader stacy abrams at the time when we launched there were almost 1.2 million young people people of color and unmarried white women in the state of georgia who were eligible to vote and completely unregistered, not participating in our elections at all. 1.2, that number is significant because also at the same time, the successful Republican was beating the losing Democrat by about 250,000 votes, cycle after cycle after cycle. So you mean to tell me there were five times the number of eligible but unregistered people of color and unmarried women than what was required to swing any election in Georgia? Uh, so we get to work and we work in that area. And to date, we have hit the halfway mark and helped over 600,000 people register. We are communicators. I think that that's important. One way to define culture is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. Talking about Georgia, talking about the numbers, talking about the demographic shifts, talking about the reversal of the Great Migration and how we win how we fight back against voter suppression, how we fight back against the rise in authoritarian leadership. Like we tell stories about Georgians and how we can win, right? If we are in Albany, we're preparing to go to the Albany State versus Fort Valley football game. It's HBCU season. Uh, we're in the South, football is king. Uh, we have our Friday night light strategy. Any small town in Georgia on Friday night, you can find a majority of the community out at the local high school football game. We make sure that there's no daylight between us and our organizers and the communities that we organize. Insight, can we talk about you for a minute? Because this is so impressive and so exciting, and there are a lot of going on. I mean, you, you talked about you know the litigation strategy and technology and door-to-door and, I mean, all that stuff. When did you get involved and how? I'm from Atlanta. I'm from Nigeria. I'm an immigrant, born in Nigeria, raised in Southwest Atlanta. I'm an Atlanta public school graduate. After college, after law school, had a a career as a union organizer, working in various departments in the political department, et cetera. And so when the teachers union in Ottawa, the Canadian Association of University Teachers called, I answered. I'm bilingual. I speak French and English. Uh, So why not? Um, I wasn't prepared for the negative 40 degree winters. Uh, but, but the working opportunity was something that I jumped at and did that for a few years, came home for the holidays one day, met Stacy. She had this vision for the new Georgia project that blew me away. Um, and you know, I had 30 reasons why it would not work 
at all. And if you've ever met Stacy, you know that she's like 35 reasons why it absolutely could. And a few weeks later, I had packed up my truck and drove the 24 hours from Ottawa back to my childhood bedroom with my outcast posters on the wall from 1996. And we started the New Georgia Project and got to register voters the very next day. Wow. And and what, when you talk to young people, uh, I mean, you are a young person. Ish. I mean, I Ish. am an old person. <laughs> You're a young person. Uh, but what, yeah. Well, what, what was, by the way, I'm just curious. When was the first election? I don't want to put you on the spot. First election you participate, you voted the in? The 2000 presidential election. It's such a defining moment for me, uh, Bush versus Gore. And this, it, it's not enough that I, in my first presidential election, witnessed what I felt like was a crime against democracy. Then when I ended up getting to law school about six years later, it was the biggest case for law students to review in our constitutional law classes, Bush versus Gore. It has left an indelible mark on my mind. And as I'm talking to young Georgians, I think that the 2018 gubernatorial election has had the same impact. I It's so clear in my mind, the rhyming of what has happened and what could happen um, with this rogue Supreme Court with hundreds of insurrectionists and January 6th election deniers running for Congress, knowing that the Congress that we elect will likely be the folks who have to certify the 2024 presidential election and what that means for us. The parallels are very clear in my mind, even if it hasn't made it to the public consciousness yet. Well, get let's talk about the public consciousness because, and particularly young people. I mean, uh, you know, I deal with young people all the time. I teach them. I love them. They inspire me. Their energy makes me energetic. But um, a lot of the young people I talk with say to me, I really worked so hard in 2020. And I was out there and look, you know, America is, well, we're better off in the sense we don't have Trump, but it hasn't changed all that dramatically. What do you say? How are you talking to young people to get them as charged up, if not more charged up, about the midterm elections coming up uh, than they were uh, two years ago? What we say is, you know, what happens in the White House is important. But it is never going to be more important than what is happening in your house. What kind of life do you want to live? Like, what is the Georgia that you're fighting for? There's an America that you deserve to live in. And what are you willing to fight for? When we're out at protest, say that there is another, um, you know, Someone is violently murdered by the police and you have people who are impassioned and they have signs. And we say, you clearly care about this issue. You clearly care about police accountability. You don't want your tax dollars to be used to kill unarmed people. What if I told you that the jury pool, when this officer stands before a jury of his peers and his neighbors, is made up of registered voters in Georgia? And there's no way for you to serve on a jury if you're not registered to vote. 
And that if you were chosen, would you bring your 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 experiences, your stories, the your your priorities to jury deliberation while you're listening to the facts as they're presented? Of course you would, right? We deserve to have people that we can send to Washington, DC, that we can send under the gold dome in Atlanta to do our work that we are workers, we pay taxes, that there are these folks should be, they should know what our priorities are, which means they have to hear from us. And they should be working on our priorities. They, they should, should share our priorities. Um, otherwise, let's fire them because our votes actually hire them. And so there are two frames that we've been using with young voters and particularly young voters of color that's actually really been working. And one, and one you do, and the inequality media team do very well. And that's information, right? Presenting information, demystifying like how government works, how elections work. It, they, it is designed to be opaque, right? A lot of these systems are super old. We vote the same way we've been voting for a hundred years, right? The first Tuesday after the, the second Tuesday after the first Monday uh, in November, like we don't, ride horses and buggies into the town center anymore. It doesn't take a day and a half uh, to get to the, you know, to the village uh, in order to cast your ballot. So there's a lot that can change. But in the meantime, getting young people information and being seen as a credible source of unbiased information, that, that information that they can rely on, that they can use to evaluate where these candidates stand um, and whether or not they align with our values is super important. It's one of the most important things that we can do right now to move young people to action. And our research shows it over and over and over again. The second messaging frame is power, that we talk about how powerful we are. Uh, we talk about the fact that we've never had more money than the enemies of progress, than white supremacists, but we've had people power and we have the power to stop bad things from happening. We talk about the fact that because young people and people of color showed up in January of 2021, we elected Warnock and Ossoff. Reverend Warnock, literally only the third person to command the pulpit at Ebenezer since Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And John Ossoff, a 33-year-old Jewish kid from the North Atlanta suburbs, which was remarkable when you consider that at the time he was going into a Senate where the majority of the Senate was born before there were even 50 states. Right. So the, the future of work, the future of our planet, like we have someone, a young worker in the Senate um, who's fighting for Georgians and their priorities. Georgians did that. And because of Ossoff and Warnock, 80 percent of American households got some sort of economic relief through the American Rescue Plan. Georgia voters did that. Young people in Georgia did that. Black voters in Georgia did that. Latinx and Asian American voters in Georgia did that. And reminding them of the power of their vote has also been a really effective tactic, a really effective message, and something that we're going to keep doing until November 8th and beyond. And, and Georgia is so critical uh, in terms of November 8th and beyond uh, and in 2024. Uh, final question for you. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but are you optimistic? You let's let's go to 2024. Let's go to 2025, 2026. Look at America and tell me what you not what you hope, but what you actually think we are going to see. 
I think that, you know, 2024, 2025, that we will continue to see this multiracial democracy, that the rising American electorate flex their power and test their power. I think what we will also see is a corresponding backlash because the truth of the matter is that that's kind of been a theme here for 246 years, right? You start with white male property owners and then they drop the property owners. And so then, and then, you know, a few, and then in 1920, white women get the right to vote, but then we'll see a corresponding backlash against women of color and on and on and on. And the truth is that two steps forward, one step backwards is the nature, I think, of progress, um, or it's been a theme of American progress, American progress with respect to democracy. I think that we can hold the line. I think that I'm ready to cancel the apocalypse. I can say we can go ahead and cancel the apocalypse. It, it's not here yet. It's not here yet. Well, I, I, you know, I'm optimistic too. I, I actually see all of this change, this, this turbulence, this demographic change, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, people of color and women becoming more and more powerful in this country. I don't think it can be stopped. Uh, I think it is a huge historical significance. And I see, I look at my students, I look at young people today and I say, well, they're the future. And I'll, I'll tell you, they make me optimistic. Uh, and you make me optimistic too, Ense. And I want to thank you for everything that you and the New Georgia Project uh, have been doing. Uh, you have been changing America and more power to you. Thanks so much, Bob. Again, I'm a huge fan of, I, I'm not a student of yours, but I feel like millions of us are with your public scholarship. Uh, you're such a, a joy to listen to. I learn every time you scroll across my Instagram feed. I just want to thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. Well, let's, uh, well, we'll, we'll onward to, to, to the midterms, onward to 2024, onward to a new America. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, canceling the apocalypse. I really like that line. Thank you to Ense Ufot of New Georgia Project and the whole team she works with. Bob and I will be back next week.